0: you have seemingly stumbled into the inaugural test run of Third Degree, the podcast, where the crew of Third Degree dial in from various and sundry places to talk all things FC Dallas and, as needed, Major League Soccer. My name is Peter. I'm the co-editor of ThirdDegree.net, which you can also find at the Dallas Morning News and also the co-host of The Kickaround, a soccer show on The Ticket in Dallas. And also dialing in is none other than the founder and big Kahuna of all things third degree, and also your best and most definitive source for all things FC Dallas, Buzz Carrick. Hello, Buzzard. Hello, Peter. Calling
1: in today from the trailers at Greenhill, the last known playing location of Elaine Suter.
0: Wow, that's a. Uh that's a very rare spot you've located. I, yes. am dialing, I am dialing in from beneath the very bare buttocks of the uh, nude statue called The Kick just outside the new South End in the Hall of Fame at Toyota Stadium. So you're around The Kick, is what we are saying? Something like that, yeah. Hey, you, uh, you, uh, you posted a nice story yesterday full, filled with pictures of your adventure and preview of the new Hall of Fame.
1: Yes, I probably too many pictures. I even had twice as many that I had to cull through. But <clears throat> uh, there's a whole bunch of pics up there to give fans a, uh, sort of a sneak peek of what the museum looks like. And, and to be fair, the pictures don't do it justice. That facility is fantastic. The Hunts have done an amazing job. The, the memorabilia that's on permanent display is just stunning. There's going to be some stuff on rotation. Uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful facility. And I think any fan that's going to visit it's going to like it. No, I don't know that it's necessarily going to solve any problems for FC
0: Dallas, but in terms of legacy for the Hunts and for the good of the game, I think it's fantastic. Uh, I think uh, you told me at one point you can actually go and make your own scarf.
1: Yeah, they have a design-your-own-scarf station, just like they have the design-your-own-jersey station, where you can make a scarf design out of anything you want to, multiple patterns. I didn't use it myself, but the real fun part of the scarf station is that if you would like to buy the scarf you designed, they will make it for you right there on the spot in the shop, and you can take it home with you. I wonder if I could go and
0: get a camouflaged huntsman scarf.
1: <laughs> well, I didn't try it, so I don't know if there's camo. But, uh, you could surely make a huntsman, Maybe just maybe not a camo. I'm sure they've got Army Green in there, though.
0: If I did that, a guy with a gun would show up and escort me off the premises, <laughs> and then I would never be seen again.
1: Uh, I think you uh, overestimate their hate. Uh,
0: they, uh, they probably would be honored, but to have a scarf named Huntsman, yeah, maybe, maybe so. It was probably their ideal all along, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's uh, let's save a conversation about the Hall of Fame and the new structure of the south end of the stadium for a future edition of Third Degree of the podcast. Which, by the way, is uh, an idea that Buzz and I have thought about for. <laughs> Uh, As long as podcasts have existed, we've talked about doing this forever and just never done it for one various reason or another, but with the season literally wrapping up in the next couple of weeks and then however long the playoffs go, I kind of felt like this was a good opportunity for us to test run it to see what kind of audience and uh, interest there'd be, and if there's enough, maybe we'll do it full-time next year.
1: That would be terrific. We have talked about it for a long time. I think it mainly was a question of audience per manpower ratio, but... Uh, I'm glad to give it a shot and hopefully people will enjoy the podcast.
0: Yeah, I'm also a little leery as a longtime, lifelong broadcaster about the audio quality of uh, DIY sounding podcasts, but um, I think I'll just do my best to set those uh, fears aside and deal with it and uh, just hope that everybody would rather, are more concerned about hearing the content than how it sounds. Well, it sounds that. great here in the Greenville trailers. <laughs> well, good. Well, it sounds uh, very fine underneath this uh, bare buttocks, so. <laughs> um okay so let's uh, start off by talking about the last chapter in the 2018 story of FCD which is uh their rare loss uh which happened uh, in District of Columbia at the new Audi Field with Wayne Rooney and DC United.
1: Yeah, I think you know when you when you're talking about MLS road life it is difficult and um you and I have talked before about how few teams have a positive road record. Right now, there's only two teams in the league that have a record above 500 on the road, and that's Atlanta and New York. Um, even even just to get 500 is remarkable. I don't think it's a coincidence that FC Dallas, LAFC, Sporting Kansas City, and Seattle are the other teams that have 500 road records. Those are all quality teams. And other than those top two in the East, nobody has a 500 road record. So, you know, we all know that how difficult it is to play on the road. And when you talk about FC Dallas at D.C. United, those look like two evenly matched teams, two teams that were both playing a similar sort of style, both uh, matched up well. Nobody really had like a distinct advantage in one way or another. Really what it came down to was the fact that Dallas is on the road. Both teams were missing players for international play. One mental breakdown at the end of the game decided that game in the favor of the home team, And such as life on the road in Major League Soccer
0: uh DC also had the added element of a bit of desperation is you know that's a team that was in last place when they got Rooney a bit added to the squad and I think uh Wayne has exceeded everybody's expectations uh, I'm a I'm a huge Wayne Rooney fan I'm also a Manchester United fan and even I was a bit skeptical about uh just how well he'd uh, how much effort he'd put out I always knew he was capable of it I just didn't know how hard he'd try, and he's, man, boy has he tried, uh, and he's really single-handedly picked that team up and carried them to the point where that game uh, this weekend was really important for them to capture the sixth-place position in the East.
1: Yeah, we're well, currently there uh, in on the basis of that win, one point ahead of Montreal, and um, they have Toronto tonight um, at home, and then they have New York City FC and West EFC, which is tough, and then they have Chicago, so... They, uh, they have a chance to get in. I mean, they have two winnable games there. I mean, that New York City one, even at home, is going to be tough. But uh, D.C. is as hot as they come. And as you say, a lot of it has to do with Wayne Renu. It's not all on him, but he's sort of taught them how to win. I mean, winning has to be learned. And, and I watched him play, and, and knowing just what I see on the field, to me he looked just like Maxi Uruthi, uh running all over the place, providing energy, providing high defense, providing a spark, leading his team, pumping up his team. I mean, they're very similar players only talking
0: about today. I mean, I know Wayne's history. I'm not talking about Wayne's history. I'm talking about right now. That's an interesting point, uh, which will drive me to really the thing that I wanted to talk most about when it came to the Huntsman, which was, you know, Maxi or Rudy, um, how Perea has decided to uh, utilize him and the reality, I think I've just finally, you know, over the course of the year, I've been ridiculed on many occasions for uh, questioning just how this team was in first place. Uh, it just, the team statistically uh, belied the fact that it was in first place. Uh, there was just the, the level of performance or the quality of play just never felt like a first place team at, at for, for long stretches, but... There they were in first place. And I, and I've just come to finally decide that I guess Perea, um, and now everybody else should probably hop on board if you haven't already had just decided to, uh, forgo the aesthetics of soccer and just turn this into a grind out wins kind of team. Uh, and that's what has propelled them to this, uh, position they're in today. And a lot of that has to do specifically with moving Maxi Arrudi to this kind of bizarro nine and a half uh, position where he just kind of uh, bird dogs around, you know, the the middle third of the field endlessly, like he's got 14 lungs in his body.
1: Well, you know, I I think honestly this is uh, the kind of position that Maxi is more designed for. He's not a high striker. He's not going to push that high line and get in behind guys or play like a post up Blas Perez striker in the box. If Dallas played a four-four-two, we would call him an off-striker. That's the way Preki used to play, or Joe Max Moore would play, or Eric Wynalda would play. Guys that would operate off of a center-channel dominant sort of presence, which Dallas is sort of blocking a little bit. And to get to your point of how Dallas grinds things out, uh, they're actually tenth in the league overall in goals for uh, with fifty-one. They're 5th in the league in goals against with 39. That gives them a 7th place goal differential. But they get results. Their points per game is 1.78. That's 3rd in overall and 5th in the West. So this is a team that achieves above itself. And I think they do that based on a couple of things. One is that they, the way they play this year, which is the way that people play all over the world, uh, particularly when teams have less talent, which is a compact, defensive shape, solid, technical, uh, locked in place, and then counterattacking or counterpunching uh, aggressively when you can force or capitalize on a turnover. Now, a lot of times if you do that if you have less talent than other people. I would say that in MLS there's so much parity that and everyone's got at the top of the, any given division has got a fair amount of talent. I wouldn't say that... Anybody that you're competing with in the West has more talent than FC Dallas. Dallas has plenty of talent. But this sort of counterpunch mentality lets Dallas grind out results, both home and away, particularly away, and get results that other teams that aren't as good don't get. And a lot of that has to do with Maxi Ruti and the energy he provides and the way he defends up high and creates chaos, more importantly, up high. It causes turnovers. makes it harder for teams to play out of their own back. And Dallas pounces and takes advantage and gets the goals they get in a timely fashion.
0: Yeah, and, and I guess that's part of the double-edged sword, which is Maxi Arruti, which is all of the forechecking, for lack of a better term, uh, that he does, and creating opportunities by creating that chaos. I can't even imagine trying to count the number of uh, goals, the percentage of goals they've scored this year that were started by him winning a ball at midfield or stealing it from a defender, in their own defending half of the field uh, versus what happens when Dallas finally gets possession and a team kind of sits back and they're forced to try to unlock a pack defense, which is where I think the the negative side of the sword of a Rudy comes in because then you're, you're without that kind of creative midfielder that's needed to kind of break defenses, make splitting passes, because that's really not his game. He's not the most accurate of passer uh, for a guy that's uh, also being asked to be a creator.
1: Well, that's definitely true. Uh, The teams that have had the best luck against Dallas are teams that play just like they do and try and stifle the game as well. You know, I, I think we saw RSL when they played that way against Dallas. Sporting sometimes plays that way against Dallas. Uh,
0: Seattle sometimes plays that way. Seattle, can Columbus, that way. the Columbus Crew game was a, maybe the, the the epitome of that.
1: That was probably a fantastic example of a, of a game where both teams tried to kill the game, and it was one of the most boring games we've ever seen. You know, it, and such is the nature of the the game. But you know, Dallas in a way is sort of locked into that system because their whole identity this year is about. Uh, getting the wins that they weren't getting last year, right? This this whole season is a reaction to last season. The Oscar is all about winning in December 10th, winning that MLS Cup, and this defensive sort of way we play, or that Dallas plays, is, is intended to grind out a road result, particularly places that you've never gotten them before, at Portland, well, at which they got that off their back. Uh, at Seattle, still a problem, always going to be a big problem, But as you advance in the playoffs, and in particular this year, if you get all the way to MLS Cup, you're going to be on the road. You're going to have to try and grind out a result.
0: And a lot of this, uh, you know, what we've come to at this point is built out of a couple of things, which is, uh, in part, a little bit, uh, Mauro Diaz's decision that he didn't want to be here anymore, not that he was fully utilized uh, uh, when he was here, but a lot of this is, I think, the biggest factor in all of this is that the team continues not to have a good, top quality traditional number nine. I think they thought they were getting that in Baji, but uh, to date, either uh, maybe he just has a big bag of nothing, or he just hasn't figured out how to integrate himself with the rest of the team.
1: Well, there's a lot to unpack in that question, but let me let me start with the um, the, the the lack of a real number nine, uh, Dallas. Uh, this season, well, actually, let me start with Diaz. You remember at the beginning of this year, um, we've, we talked all the time about Diaz, how he's only starting half the games, and you just really can't count on him. So even this year, Dallas and Oscar Pereja used him in positions to lessen the need for Diaz. Used him as a false swing, used him in different positions. They, they had to learn how to win without him. That way, when you had him, it's an added bonus. It was an added, something on top of what you were already doing really well. In a way, that's the problem with Pablo Oranguis right now. Same sort of situation. You're not built around him. It's too late to build around him. Consider him a bonus that you can use for what you already have as a good team. Now, moving on to the number nine issue, Dallas has actually had this problem all season, and you could arguably say two or three seasons now. This year, for example, they've had 461 shots to get 51 goals, which is, 9.0 9.0 shots per goal. That's 16th in MLS. So you're in first place in the Western Conference, having a terrible efficiency ratio. In terms of like the overall history of the club, uh, that's sort of middle of the pack. But, you know, for the top half of the standings, most of those teams are way more efficiently good at shooting. So this is a problem we've had all season. Uh, specifically, Baji. Not sure why that's not working out yet. Uh, there is sort of a disconnect uh, with him and, and Maxi, and I think maybe that they may be too similar of a player. Uh, when you watch in training, they sometimes they end up making the same runs or both trying to go to the same place at the same time, and you end up obviously clogging that area with defenders or or um, making it where you've reduced the options, and now it's you know it. It just isn't flowing for some reason. Now, there are similarities. There are differences, of course, in them in, in the sense that Baji is a high player, and he does want to play over the top, and he does get forward into the box, just like Coleman. He gets up there where he's supposed to be, and it does cause the center backs to pinch on him, and it does create that hole underneath the striker, which is where Dallas makes its money. That's where Yuji scores. That's where Barrio scores. That's where Muscara cuts inside and scores. So... Though that is working a little bit, but you're right in the, in the sense that Baji's not producing, and I, I can't put my finger on where that disconnect is yet, except that maybe that Dallas doesn't really play over the top balls. They play they play on the break, but they want to run by people or run at people. It rarely is just boot it and chase it in a, in an old school over the top sense.
0: Yeah, you know, that's funny because, uh, one of the big surprise wins of the year was, ironically, uh, the win at Kansas City where early in the game Oscar made a transition of moving uh, Barrios up top and they just, because uh, Kansas City was playing so high, they just kept dumping balls in behind and Barrios just kept running in on it. And that's one of the things that, I, you know, I think when Baji was part of the trade and came here, we all thought, well, oh, you know, da- this is actually kind of interesting because Baji brings the one thing that Dallas has been lacking since Castillo's, uh, elopement. <laughs> Uh, which is speed, burning, crushing speed. And, you know, maybe we'll now see Dallas try to play balls in behind and get in behind defenses. And uh, kind of what you said earlier, I don't know why they haven't tried to do that yet with him. Um, and I don't know if it's because they're aware of what people in Colorado told us about him uh, when the trade happened, which is, uh, look, if you give him too much time on the ball, especially kind of in one-on-one run-ins on goal, he's not really good in those situations. He, he thinks about it too much. Baji scores goals that he doesn't have to think about. Um, and, and so maybe that's why they don't even try it very much. I don't know. It just, it seems like a missed opportunity for a guy for so much speed that he has.
1: Yeah. I'm looking at his, uh, goal scoring numbers in Colorado and they're, and it's pretty consistently just under 10 per season. So he's not a prolific, uh, goal scorer. Now, you could, of course, make the case that Dallas is maybe better than Colorado, obviously, but, um, you know, I I think his numbers this season are probably right on par for where uh, they are. I mean, Dallas, eight games, two goals, that kind of matches up with Colorado, uh, you know, 16 games and seven, and then the season before, 33 and nine. I, you know, it's just, I, I think that he is what he is, which is a guy where if he gets volumes of opportunities The ball's bouncing in around the box. He's going to poach you some goals. I I don't know that that anyone thought that he was going to be the answer as a nine. You know, hopefully, he's going to stretch the field a little bit. I mean, Oscar even said when he came here that probably he would end up as a winger in the long run. Uh, But I think you're right that against Sporting, this might be. It'll be interesting to see how they play because they do like to defend higher up the field. Sporting does. so maybe this is a game where Baji over the top is going to be pretty good. We'll have to see how that
0: goes. Uh, it's it's kind of frustrating how this has played out for Dallas because with uh, Coleman, they had a guy who more times than not made a correct run, uh, but would then just he was so bad at finishing, uh, it would it actually turned into kind of a drinking game and, and a comedic effort. Yeah. With Baji, I'm not even sure he's making the right runs all the time. I was thinking, I'm thinking specifically of a couple of times this weekend, uh, against, uh, United where, uh, Mascara and or Barrios would get to the end line and then play a ball across the face of goal. And instead of making the near post run, he'd make a vertical run essentially to the back post and Hamid would just step out and intercept the ball and, I, you know, I'm not sure he'd ever finish it, but I always get the sense that at least Coleman was, was savvy enough to make the near post run. And I'm just not been, I just, I've yet to see Baji do anything, um, that I'm super impressed with so far. Uh, and certainly nothing that it convinces me that Dallas has solved their problem at the number nine position.
1: No, I, I think that, I think it's fair to say they certainly haven't. And, and Coleman, as much as we, Bagged on him for not scoring goals. He was the Anselma in a way, uh, in the sense that Coleman did everything right all over the field, played exactly the way you want him to play. The whole team looked better, except he didn't score. is the complete opposite of that, where he does nothing right, all his runs are terrible, and yet he scores. So, I, I, you know, part of the thing with Baji, for me may just be time with his teammates, because I know it's been you know eight games or whatever that he's played, but. They they don't have time to work on training, in training and training. I'm like, let's figure out how to get Baji going. They don't have time to really do that. You're, you're so late in the season, everything is about maintaining what you are and your good chance you have to make a deep run. And if you can get him in and get him involved, that's great. But if he doesn't, then it's not going to be the end of the world because you're already got a team that's at the top of the Western Conference.
0: Yeah, and, and the, you know, the, the status of the team is kind of being a grind out wins style is fine. I mean, we can all, you know, set aside the, the desire for soccer aesthetics, uh, uh, in the hopes of an MLS Cup. If that's how they do it, great. But what I, what I continue to worry about is, is the problem that's really plagued this team all season, which is the finishing issue, right? um not having a number nine is one problem, but when you watch these games and you see Barrios, who finally started to find a bit of a goal scoring form, um, but more times than not, pushing a ball wide, hitting it over the top, Mascara's uh, finishing has been suspect at times, Uh, And then a Rudy is that guy that just goes through these weird phases. He'll score an absolute goloso or two or three in a row, and then he just dries out for a period of time, which is the state he's been in now for quite a while. And it's not like they've got a lot of goal scorers running out of uh, midfield behind them or defenders coming up and doing that as well. So um, what I worry about is that grinded-out style will power them into the playoffs, maybe even getting them a first seed position, Uh, But they'll eventually run into a team that has a true a uh, difference maker, a magic maker on the team that will get into one of these grind out games and then just produce a moment of magic or two. And that'll end up, uh, cutting Dallas off where it hurts the most. I'm thinking of the Peruvian kid that played last night for the Peruvian team that's playing for, um, for Seattle. I could totally see a, a, a home and away with Seattle where that guy, uh, Rua Diaz, um, you know, makes a couple of magic moments and ends Dallas season.
1: Yeah, it, that's that's always a big question and a big worry. You know, when you when you run into a team that's got a magic player, uh, can that be the difference maker? Because I think it's perfectly fair to, th- to say that Dallas doesn't have one. Um, but, you know, I think this season, if you look at the, the games they've gone against guys like that, they've done a decent z- job with Zlatan. He hasn't really burned them. They did a good job with Martinez when Atlanta came here. So, you know, I, I think Oscar's ability to game plan and the ability to have that tight center box with your two holding mids and your two center backs. Yoloa, Grezzo, I mean, two outright holders. Neither one of those dudes can link at all. And uh, Ziegler is a great reader of the game, and Hedges is a good reader of the game and has the body. You know, there's a, there's a really nice square right in the middle of the field that can try and shut down those guys. The, one, the other one that gave him troubles was against Sporting KC the last time they were in town, right? I remember um, uh, Roger uh, uh, Espinosa just looking like Pele out there, but, you know, Dallas got a result. So the the ability to close down guys and close off special players, I think Dallas has an above-average ability to do that. But as you say, when it comes to a championship-level game, you know, that'll end up probably being, if Dallas can get that far, the big question is like, it can Dallas stifle the special players on the other side and can someone rise to the occasion? Because, it, as you say, it's been goals by committee this year. What is it, 16 different players have scored for Dallas this year, which leads the league? You know, I mean, abundance of riches in that sense. It could be anybody, but nobody that you could say, that guy's going to get me a goal, I know it. You don't have that guy.
0: Yeah, and we're at two games from the end of the season and, uh, Roland Lama is still your leading goal scorer and he's essentially played, what, uh, uh 120 minutes in the last four or five yeah. games. He's just yeah. not a regular starter. So I, uh, I think that's an inter- interesting, uh, storyline to think about. Um, uh, so Dallas has two games left. Uh, and Oscar has frustrated fans by not playing kids very much. Uh, he played Aguiar instead of Ja'Cory Hayes. And clearly what he's doing is he's not risking losing any sort of momentum. Uh, I think he's aware, like all of us are, that MLS playoffs are all about form going into the playoffs. And he's trying to retain a level of form. Uh, so the game on Sunday at 4 o'clock at Toyota Stadium against Kansas City is really important for many reasons. And then even the game after that, uh, which is a, a, ironically a really weird way to end the season against a, a, a dead-on-arrival Colorado Rapids, but we'll have Kellen Acosta playing against his former team for the first time. And, and Oscar needs to get the best performances out of his team both Sunday and that last game.
1: Yeah, I really think that this sporting game is pretty big because if you knock them off, I think that locks up your top-two finish. And then the Colorado game is a uh, one-game relaxer, right, before the playoffs start. You won't want to lift the gas completely, but you can maybe play a couple of kids. Um, so this sporting game really is the game that's going to clinch it for you or not. You don't want to have to go into Colorado and let them spoil your season and knock you out of a top-two finish. But the one thing about the play-the-kids kind of mentality, though, is don't forget that FC Dallas is second in the league in homegrowns behind New York. Those are two really good teams at the top of the table, I don't think that's a coincidence. I mean, it's the kids, quote-unquote, that Dallas is playing happen to all be now between the age of 20 and 23. Well, you have some, not including Yola, who's, what, 28? So you have guys that are that are young that are still in there that are playing. Look at Reggie's minutes. Look at uh, Gonzalez's minutes. So there are quote unquote kids that are playing. It's just not 16 year olds, which is fine because Oscar's all about uh, trust. It's, uh, you know, he he wants a player that he can count on for a full 90 minutes that focus and concentration. Guys that are going to take a couple of minutes off or maybe have a lapse or two here, he's not going to be ready to go with guys like that. I mean, that's the biggest reason Paxton and is not getting a lot of time yet. So, um, it, it is late in the season. It is not time to be experimenting. This this Sporting Kansas City game, if you get it, you're in a great spot. If you don't get this one, man, does that last game get annoying? So uh, you want to bring your this is your this is your big statement game heading into the playoffs. You want to take care of Sporting, prove that you're the, one of the, the best team in the Western Conference. Make yourself the clear favorite in the West going to the playoffs. Make everybody else worry about you that 's what this game is. This is a big one,
0: yeah, The other interesting aspect of the game Sunday is is that um, Kansas City will come into the game having played later tonight we 're recording this on Wednesday. Um, they have a game against Vancouver, in Vancouver, then they have to travel all the way down to Texas, uh, and then they end their season against LAFC, the team that they're likely battling for the second-place position for. Uh, tonight's results uh, will largely dictate, I guess, and I bet you feel the same way, Buzz, what kind of lineup and what kind of attitude they have coming in the game on Sunday. Uh, Certainly if they lose against Vancouver tonight, that really changes and puts a lot of pressure on Kansas City on Sunday.
1: Yeah, if if they lose against Vancouver, then they'll need to come into Dallas and get some points because they have the same problem that Dallas does. They want to have that top two and they're competing against Dallas and LAFC, the last two teams they play. Now, if they get a result in Vancouver to put themselves up on, uh, how many points is that, 56, tied with LAFC? Then maybe they might think to themselves, uh, you know what? We just got some big valuable points. Maybe we will rest a guy or two in in Dallas and kind of let that game go a little bit and just go head to head with LAFC for that last spot in the playoffs. So you know how they're even if they don't consciously think that, maybe mentally they might think that. So this result for them tonight is going to be a big one uh, in terms of how their attitude is coming in Sunday because if they lose tonight, then Sunday's a must-win for them
0: um we talk I've talked about with Andy uh this issue uh going in on the radio show for a few weeks now. We know who the goalkeeper is, we know who the back four are, we now know who the two holding mids are. Those that's really been uh the foundation of what's been driving this uh, successful run uh you know all season long. It's really the change of the four guys in front of that group uh which uh is still a bit of a question mark, but would you agree that what we see Sunday night is probably going to end up being uh quote unquote the best 11 for Oscar?
1: I think so now he now he does do a little matchup work from time to time, but and now that Lamar's back, he does have an extra piece, and he does have Pablo who will be more for home games, probably if you're or if you're trying to chase something really late uh you know you're not gonna see him as much on the road or on turf and that kind of thing, but I think for the most part, this is your big last big, huge massive game against teams that are gonna wanna play kind of like you play, which is strong defensively with counter-punching slightly different than the way Dallas play sporting is but you know a a lot of ways similar Portland plays the same way although they're very direct very much like end-to-end running but still they play defensive and counter. Seattle can kind of mix it up a little more but they they sometimes they play a high press but they also lay back so really you're in the Western Conference you're going to see a lot of teams that are similar at the top of the table so this game's going to be a really good tune-up and really show you what you have, your last one, your last big, important game, we hope. We hope the Colorado game's not a big, important game. Um, but I think now's not the time for experimenting. Now's the time for this is my team, this is what I'm rolling with. And I think you're out of options as Striker. I think it's going to be Bagi. I You know, that Barrios up top is good late games when people are tired. It's as good as a mix-up change of pace. But I think from the get-go it doesn't really work as well
0: uh buzz before we finish up i want to throw out a few uh names of guys on the team uh and just kind of get your reaction i'll start with um as i mentioned earlier abel aguiar's start in dc what did you think about his 70 some odd minutes
1: i thought it was exactly what you expected you know when you bring in a 33 year old holding midfielder you're not gonna get a kellen acosta box-to-box kind of running player uh you're gonna get a guy that has been the way he's been his whole career. That's going to sit in front of the defense and look to link play. He's going to show well for the center backs and provide an outlet. He's going to try and connect with this the guys on his team and move the ball forward. Now you you would have liked to maybe seen a seen a little bit cleaner of a passing game. He was at 76%. You'd like those holding mids to be, you know, right around the 90% mark, but um, you know, that's not terrible on the road in MLS. You know, that's not it's not real super bad, you know. We can live with that. I think it was kind of a Mid-level performance. I don't. He didn't make any big mistakes. He didn't commit a whole lot of fouls or anything. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to take anybody's job away. I mean, Carlos Grezzo, particularly the back half of the season, has been playing out of his mind. I mean, he's been phenomenal. Probably the best form since he's been here. You know, that's going to be a huge get getting him back. And of course, not that Ryan Hunt had played bad either. He didn't. He played fine. But Reggie's been such a force at right back. Getting him back is going to be a huge piece. You know, I think Dallas is going to be pretty happy with the way their team's going to look this weekend. And despite the fact that uh, Abel played fine, (laughs) played Abel, but um, you know, you're still going to be pretty happy to get Grezo.
0: Well, Grezo certainly is uh, on in the shop window for himself, uh, trying to show off for his next gig. Because I think we all agree it's very unlikely he's here next year.
1: I think so too. I mean, he's never said anything to, to back that up. He's never. Complain that I know of or, or talked about wanting to leave that I know of but I, I think we all know how the world works and we think we all know that he has not been in for Ecuador but he did just get that call up and he hasn't been playing really well so it can be done but I think I think he's determined that okay I need to make the next step and this season his play has been so good I don't think anyone's going to begrudge him that it's time to go back to a Team the next level up again. I, I don't think that I I won't shock anybody.
0: No, and certainly it would prove out the uh, FC Dallas model, which is buy a guy on the cheap, let him grow and uh, perform well, and sell him for a profit. Uh, I don't think anybody would uh, consider that anything other than a huge success uh, for his time here at the club. If in fact that how, that's how it plays out. All right, my next name for you is Jesse Gonzalez.
1: Yeah, Jesse. Let's see. Jesse has world-class shot stopping ability when it comes to point blank saves, long range saves. His range, post to post, is phenomenal. He he has got so much potential, so much ability, but he's held back by his decision making, as I call him, called the Nukaluish five cent head, which is a Bull Durham reference. If nobody knows that, he's got so much potential, but his lack of communication with his defense, the poor passing decisions he makes out of the back, you know, when when he's only completing 50% or the one game that was 35%, that's just too much turning the ball over to the other team, even if it is booting the ball to midfield. Occasionally positioning wrong, occasionally reading the game wrong. If he can get the mental side of the game elevated, this kid could be world class. He could be the U.S. keeper but right now those mental choices are holding him back and he has so much ability so much future
0: well those are all elements of something that we uh talked about and a lot um you know dating back to when we realized that they that the team was really considering playing a homegrown 21 or what is he 22 now year old uh, goalkeeper um that's just a byproduct of that and hopefully he grows out of it he certainly has his ups and downs um but uh uh, I would say going into the playoffs, Gonzalez is a guy that is a question mark. He is certainly your starter because of the things that you mentioned, but he, it, you know, it wouldn't be su- a surprise to find out that maybe the team gives up a goal because of a mistake he makes uh, in the playoffs as well.
1: Well, he have to hope not, but you know that's that's how big games are decided. You know, I, and hopefully he can rise to the occasion and. and keep his mind in a good place. You know, he is 23, but for a field player, you'd say that's plenty old enough. But for keepers, that's really young. I mean, a lot of keepers don't even start until they're 27, 28, and they can play well into their 30s because goalkeeping at the highest levels is mostly about positioning and decision-making. Guys that are not as athletically gifted can still play for their countries because it's all about the mind. So hopefully in his case, he can learn from Jimmy Maurer, who it's a much better communicator. Look how cohesive the back is when Jimmy's in there. But, of course, Jimmy's not anywhere near the shot stopper that Jesse is. So Jesse's going to be the guy, and hopefully Jesse will take his past games and learn from them and progress. And I know that they work with him all the time about these factors, so hopefully he'll be reliable in the playoffs. You know, if, if they can keep him from making a mistake, they got a good shot to go really deep.
0: Yeah, and certainly as, and as, as, as Jesse is concerned, because he did make the decision to come play for the United States after uh, spinning off from Mexico, uh, we are starting to see that there's not a, not a short line in front of him uh, for the U.S. position at goalkeeper. Uh, Stefan's been really good uh, in general for the U.S. lately, and there's some other guys, too, that Jesse's going to have to battle through if he can't uh, uh, turn some of these errors around and, and be more consistent in those spaces.
1: Yeah, there is an opportunity there, you know, there's a big gap, um, other than Stefan, there's a big gap of a bunch of guys that all have a chance, and all of them are going to have to progress and do something to take the next step, or or the U.S. is going to keep searching for another keeper, I mean, Ghazan is old enough now that we shouldn't be talking about him in terms of the next World Cup, you know, other than maybe as a third guy, as a good veteran presence or something, but... Um, you know, it's it's Jesse's got all the ability to be that good, to be at
0: that level. It's just going to be the mental. And then the last name I'll throw out to you is Pablo Arangis. Number one question I get all the time: Why yeah. isn't he starting?
1: Well, the reason he isn't starting is is uh, because the team is not built for his the, his talents right now. We've talked about before that they built this team to win without Diaz. It's the same thing, it's built to win without Arangis. He becomes a bonus. You can use him in the right situations. Playing on turf for him is gonna be tough. Playing on the road in MLS, having only been here for limited of time, is gonna be tough. You gotta learn how to win on the road in MLS. Playing in high pressure situations as a 21 year old, when he's trying to dribble or make a fancy pass, maybe that ends up in a turnover. You know, we had we had a game the other day where he kept making all these breathtaking, beautiful passes that all were turnovers. He didn't have a single pass the last game he started, like ends of the box that connected with anybody. So there is so much potential there. There is so much interesting stuff going on. When you're talking about late in the season trying to build Oscar's cohesive, grinded-out system that they are using this year, Orangi's uh, just doesn't fit into that equation as a starter right now.
0: And uh, to wrap it up, you spend a lot of time around the team. You spend a lot of time around Perea. Um, What what is your sense about his mood and his true feelings about the state of his team as they get ready to roll into the playoffs?
1: I think he's pretty happy with the team as it is constructed, Um, by which I mean he's happy with how he's managed to make this team that he has win. Uh, If he had... Two more years to tinker with it, I guarantee you there will be all kinds of changes. We talked at the beginning of the year about how they rebuilt the defense and then they would go through the start of the season and see what they needed to do with the offense. He's managed to glue the pieces together and to make it work where they're a consistently good-performing team. They finished higher in the standings than I expected them to. So I think he's really happy with this team and really trusts and has a lot of faith in the guys that he has. Every coach always would want to improve his team, but I think he's got them playing as good as can be expected. He does know that the finishing is a question. He does know that he needs to mix things up and use a little tactical changes in the front group to take advantage of the opposition in certain ways. I think they'll continue to do that. This is not a team that's like, this is our 11 and you're just going to deal. They're a team that's going to adapt and change every single game all the way through the playoffs.
0: Sunday's game is without question uh, a kind of a well a bellwether match. Uh, we'll really begin to understand how good or how potentially deep uh, Dallas can get into the playoffs even if Kansas City comes in with a weakened lineup. Because maybe they don't feel like they have to win this game because they win uh, tonight's game against Vancouver. How Dallas performs on Wednesday, I think, is going to be a significant indicator as to what we think we can expect to see coming into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. This is a this is a chance to really put a body blow into one of your potential. Western Conference opponents you're going to have to get over to get deep in the playoffs. This is a chance to show everybody else in the league that you can put away a team that's a good team. You really don't want to stumble here, and then then you have to go into the last game against Colorado, and that would be two stumbles in a row, and now i got to go play a team that would love nothing better than to upset you and knock you out of the top two spots, Kellen playing against his old team. And This is an important game. They need a strong performance here in order to to show everyone else in the league that we are a horse to be reckoned with.
0: All right, Buzz. Well, uh, I appreciate, hopefully, uh, the debut episode of Third Degree, the podcast, uh, is living up to your expectations. Hopefully the first of many. I had a lot of fun. We will talk again next week after the uh, Kansas City game and talk about what happened then and then preview the final game of the season against... Kellen Acosta, one of the greatest storylines I think is going to come out of this season is the idea that Dallas finished, however they finished, without Mauro Diaz and without Kellen Acosta on the team. (laughs) that still bends my mind to think that that actually happened this season. It was a crazy summer, but when
1: people don't want to be here, Oscar's right. It's like there's no reason to force them to be here. If they want to be here, make the best of it and move on.
0: Alright, we'll leave uh, leave our initials behind at the Green Hill trailers, and I'll uh, do the same here at the Nude Statue, Buzz. Cool thing. Talk to you next week.